As you know, we are following a series on the Ten Commandments. So I think they're all here today. (laughs) So from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, if you want to follow. Moses summoned all Israel and said, Hear, O Israel, the decrees and the laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb. It was not with our fathers that the Lord made this covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face out of the fire on the mountain. At that time, I stood between the Lord and you to declare to you the word of the Lord, because you were afraid of the fire and did not go up the mountain. And the Lord said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth, beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations of those who do love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labour and do all your work, But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, not even your manservant or maidservant, nor your ox, your donkey or any of your animals, nor the alien without in your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant may rest too, as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Honour your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land That the Lord has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. You shall not even covet your neighbour's wife. You shall not set your desire on your neighbour's house or his land, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbour. These are the commandments that the Lord has proclaimed in a loud voice 
to your whole assembly here on the mountain, from out of the fire, the cloud and the deep darkness. And he added nothing more. Then he wrote them on two stone tablets and he gave them to me. When you heard the voice out of the darkness while the mountain was ablaze with fire, all the leading men of your tribes and your elders came to me. And you said, The Lord our God has shown us his glory and his majesty, and we have heard his voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live even if God speaks with him. Yeah. Yes, thank you for that, Debbie. We uh, yeah, pounced on her this morning um, just to read the verse because it was quite a long passage and I thought it was quite important to go through it all. Um, I don't know about you, but I love context. I love to know why we do something. I find it so much harder when we do something for something's sake or just because we're told to. How much easier it is to obey when we have uh, or to do something when we know why. For some Christians here this morning, you may be questioning why we're looking at the Ten Commandments. Isn't that in the Old Testament? I'm living by grace and grace alone, as long as I'm close to the moral obligations so that the world may see me as a good person, then job done. I can breathe easy knowing my salvation is covered by the love of grace, uh, the love and grace of Jesus. But Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. This morning, I would like to just lay a basis of why we're looking at the Ten Commandments, why they're still so important, and why they should impact our lives. And then we'll look more specifically at you shall not steal. The law of God is an expression of his nature, an essence of who he is. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness. As we unpack the commandments further and you continue the conversation with God at home, we'll start to see how the Ten Commandments reflect him. But we're made in his image. The law of God reflects our nature too. It shows who we need to be to reach our full potential as God intended and designed us to be. They're not a set of rules which don't have a purpose apart from to show some allegiance to someone, like maybe that of King Nebuchadnezzar with Hadrach, Meshach and Abednego, bowing before the golden statue. An example of the commandments may be more like a physiotherapist. You go to an appointment, an assessment is made, some physical manipulations by the expert, and then you are given exercises to do at home. In order to get better, you have to do the exercises. But if you don't, you're accountable to yourself. You're not going to be the best of you, of who you can be. You're not likely to experience the full healing. Timothy Keller, I'm quite a fan of, and uh, he summarizes what God is saying to us with his law. He says, I want a love relationship with you. If you obey me, that is you giving me love, but also me giving you love as it fulfills your deepest being. It is not I obey because you are God, but because you are my God. It's got that personal, 
intimate connection with God. I'm just going to read that again because I, I reread it a few times. Uh, I want a love, God is saying, I want a love relationship with you. If you obey me, that is you giving me love, but also me giving you love as it fulfills your deepest being. It is not I obey because you are a God, an arbitrary God, but because you are my God. Yeah, that is we're not obeying because some impersonal being decreed it, because someone we know intimately is asking us. Father God is willing us to love him, not just for his benefit, but for ours to be the fullness of who he created us to be. That is just a snapshot um, of Timothy Keller's sermon. But if you have time this week or going forward, he's got a sermon called God's Law. And it is a really, I find it really insightful. So I would encourage you to have a listen. Yeah, I think it's the first hit if you, if you search for it on Google. In further summary, Mike Pilavachi expresses it like this. God's love language is obedience. There's nothing quite like preparing to lead a church, to speak at church, to lead house group, for God to educate and convict you. It struck me retrospectively that a couple of Sundays ago, we took some coaxing to remember the Ten Commandments. And yet this morning, one of the words, as Debbie said it, I don't know if she intentionally emphasised it, but learn them. Kind of hit me this morning in a new way. If this is the key to living life to our full potential, then maybe I haven't given it enough thought in my life. We tend to focus on the bits that we want to hear and unintentionally ignore what may challenge us to live differently. So, before we go any further, this is not supposed to be judgmental. This isn't us looking and pointing out all the flaws of how each one of us are living our lives. There'll be some examples to give context and to open our minds to the interpretation of the verse. Also to reinforce what Romans 8, 1 says, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But that said, our faith should be transformative. Our lives should look different. So I'm gonna sort of split it into three, three levels. Um, yeah level one on the face of it do not steal do not take what's not yours I had a quick look and looking at uh, the latest data I could find was in 2019 um, a study estimated that external theft from supermarkets and other retail stores in the UK alone totaled 1,900 and 93 million pounds, just in one year. The Amplified Bible expands slightly further and states in verse 19, neither shall you act slyly. I think most of us would say this is fairly clear cut, that we shouldn't take from a shop without paying for it, or we shouldn't take someone, something from anybody without asking, or even rob a bank. We would say, clearly, you shouldn't defraud customers. You shouldn't take advantage or exploit those in a different position to us. 
At its root, stealing is a way of trying to shortcut, to make life easy at the expense of others. God is asking us in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus Christ you are serving. You may say that what if you have to steal to survive or to provide for your family? And we'll kind of touch on that a little bit later, but I'm just going to leave it there for the moment. So that's level one on the face of it. Level two, expanding. As I started to pray through what to share this morning, I was definitely had the perception this was easy and straightforward commandment. This could easily be achieved, that you could assess the things in our, that even our society would perceive as acceptable and clearly see the areas where God is calling us to live differently. Maybe it's downloading films, music, books, which we haven't bought. We can't see who is being hurt. If it's this, if it's there, if it's available, then surely it's okay, because otherwise someone would have taken it down. (coughs) Pulling a sickie. It's an endearing term, isn't it? To make it sound innocent. But actually, what are we doing to our employer? Cash in hand. Do we pay what we should with our taxes? Work time. How often do we, do I, get distracted at work with something personal? Or do I have a longer lunch break than I should? Are you living in shared accommodation? Do you know a milk borrower? Or are you a milk borrower? (laughs) Oh, my milk has run out. I'll just have some of theirs. They won't mind. How much of your book collection, or bookcase if you have one, is made up of other people's books? I had every intention of returning it, just haven't got round to it yet. It's got to the, import, uh, it's got to the point where it's socially awkward to return it now. I'm sure they don't remember anyway. Have you borrowed equipment or tools which has been with you so long you've kind of forgotten whose they were anyway? Do we keep from God what is his? Are we doing what he is asking of us with our money and our tithe? I think it's an ongoing journey. I had one this week, and God's, this is what I mean by prepping a sermon, and suddenly you're like, God's just like just pointing little bits. And the closer you think, you're like, yeah, I think I've sorted that. That's fine. And then God's like, I do something when I go for a surf. I tend to, if I've got to pay at the car park, I will check the surf. I'll get my wetsuit on. I'll get my board ready. I'll get everything ready to go so that when I put the money in the meter, I get the most amount of time that I can be there. And God was just like, is that right? I was like, hmm, okay. (laughs) There are so many examples of areas of our lives where the world sees it as acceptable. There are grey areas which we need to seek his wisdom and ask the Holy Spirit to confirm truth. We are called to be of this world, but not part of it. 
Romans 12.2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. A good few years ago, when I was an apprentice, we were working on a large job over several months, terminating large electrical cables. There was a lot of wastage and one of the perks of the job was that the site team got to keep the scrap money. I think this was unofficially but we were kind of steered by the seniors at the time. I wasn't sure about it. And God was saying, I felt God was saying to me, don't take it. This had a few results. Firstly, it sparked many conversations with my colleagues about why he wouldn't want free money. And it allowed me to share my faith. Two, I instantly ended up with respect and a reputation of someone who could be trusted. And three, when it transpired that a reel of expensive cable had gone missing, there was no guilt that I may have been an accomplice by proxy. I would have had no idea at the time of why I shouldn't have accepted the money, but by God's lead and graciousness, he kept me separate. How often do we pray through the small things in life to make sure that we're living the way that God is calling us to? One small prayer at a time can start to correct our course as we acknowledge him. He will make our path straight. At this very moment, God may drop it, be dropping a thought in your mind of something in the past which wasn't as he intended. Make a note of it. Set a reminder on your phone to pray about it. There may be remedial actions God is asking of us which can be tough and bring all sorts of anxiety and we'd rather just pretend it never happened. Sometimes it's only God that we need to seek forgiveness for. Other times it may involve who we have wronged. But the liberation and freedom that comes from the reconciliation is life-giving. Often we don't realise the effect of burdens that we are carrying, even if it's something that we can rationalise as trivial. We're on a journey. This isn't the end. We should be being sanctified as in becoming more and more like Jesus. Every day we get it wrong in one way or the other. We don't meet the expectation of the law. But the more time we spend actively walking with Jesus and the grace that he has shown us, the more he rubs off on us. We become more and more in tune with what the Father is wanting of us and we start to live to our potential as God initially intended our lives become more distinctive, set apart. And looking at level three, all of what we've just been through relates to moral justice. Doing what's morally right by others, loving your neighbour as yourself, how we directly affect or wrong those around us, the next step, as I can see it, is turning more towards social justice. That is, fair and equitable division of resources and opportunities and privileges in society. 
Now you may be saying, hang on a minute, how's that stealing? Have we not deviated from the Ten Commandments? Our society works differently. But in the Bible, God instructs how their society should work as the Israelites go into the promised land. The land of plenty. Everyone would be given a parcel of land. Everyone's basic needs were met. They didn't deserve or earn it. It was an inheritance by God. It was meant to be handed down generation to generation. Every seven years, outstanding debts were forgiven. Every 50 years, you would go back to your inheritance, to your land. It was set up that they had an adequate inheritance. If you had excess, then you would give it away, that none should be left needing. We see support for the, for, uh, for the poor and the marginalised further when we read in Leviticus 23, 22. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. Jumping into the New Testament, the early church grew so quickly because of the willingness to give to the poor, foreigners and the sick. Anyone suffering and in need the church responded. They sacrificed their own wealth and health for others. In the UK, we have a benefit system which tries to provide for those in need. But is this far enough? What about other countries which don't have that support? If we are living in excess while some have none, then are we holding on to provisions that God has intended us to give? to love others and in effect stealing what God has intended for them. Earlier I mentioned what if you have to steal to survive? And just an example of this, um, the group Action Against Poverty say that there's more than enough food produced in the world to feed everyone on the planet. Yet as many as 828 million people still go hungry. If we all do our part, then we can make a difference. But it comes from a place of sacrificial generosity, of generosity motivated because of what God has done for us. I leave this with you as something to think about and maybe discuss in your home groups. It may open our minds to what God may be saying to us and to start a dialogue with him. Does all of this sound overwhelming? impossible God meets us where we're at he knows you intimately and he will not unnecessarily burden you to a point where you fail but he's longing for you to walk that little bit more in step with him this also means that if he is prompting you in an area then you can do it, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Hmm. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the love that is spoken all the way through it and that connection that you want to have with us. Father, would you graciously educate us teach us to be more and more like your son Jesus
Father, we ask this in your mighty name and in the name of Jesus. Amen.